This is a WTOP original podcast. From Podcast One. Coming up in this episode of Target USA. The riot on Capitol Hill through the eyes of a U.S. senator who watched it all unfold. The images that flashed around the world will hurt our nation for many, many years to come. So I'm angry. I I am pissed off. Senator Mark Warner. And what did it look like to a former deputy director of the Secret Service? I was really speechless for a while. You stand there sort of in awe and you just watch and you really can't believe this is happening at our Capitol and that it's being carried out, you know, by Americans. A.T. Smith joins us to talk about what needs to be done to make sure it never happens again. Coming up on this edition of Target USA. The National Security Podcast. From WTOP in Washington, D.C., this is Target USA. Russia could render huge harm to this country. North Korea's secret missile capable of reaching the whole of the United States. Dangerous terrorist. D.C. is repeatedly mentioned as someplace they would like to seek an attack. Cyber criminals. Decryption successful. America has a target on its back. And on this program, we investigate the threats, the people behind them, the agencies fighting them, and the impact on you. This is Target USA, the National Security Podcast. I'm J.J. Green. Very few people in the U.S. haven't heard about what happened at the Capitol on January 6th. It was a battle. There is no doubt about it. Police officers were being beaten with flagpoles, hockey sticks, fire extinguishers. At one point, you see a group of people smashing through a window to get in. If you look closely at what they're using, it's a police officer's shield. They used it to smash the window. That means they took it from someone. You also see at one point a police officer being dragged by a mob. It was a war. And that's exactly what the intelligence that was sent to the FBI the day before said was going to happen. So how could it happen? What did it look like to those that were inside there? And what could have been done to stop it? We're going to examine all of that on this show, and we're going to start with Senator Mark Warner. Senator Warner, we all know what happened last week by now. You were there. Just wondering what your thoughts are about what you saw, what you witnessed, what you felt, and what's happening now. Last last Wednesday, we saw a mob incited by Donald Trump take over the Capitol, inflict enormous you know, material damage. Six people died. Fifty. Capitol Police officers were injured. This group of insurrectionists, having no respect for rule of law, no respect for our democratic principles. And what struck me the most was that those of us who for years have been saying Donald Trump has been willing to speak out against rule of law, the images that flashed around the world of these thugs inside the halls of our Congress was a priceless benefit to our adversaries. If you're Vladimir Putin, this is 
incredibly valuable propaganda. If you are the Iranian leadership or the Chinese leadership or Kim Jong-un in terms of North Korean leadership, their ability to point out that you know, there's nothing special about American democracy um, it will hurt our nation for many, many years to come. So I'm angry. I, I am pissed off. I am frustrated that there remains some of these Trump enablers in the halls of Congress who seem so blinded by their fear of the so-called Trump base. Who would want to claim that base of insurrectionists as your political uh, foundation? But they're still here, and you know, we will, we'll get through. Um, um, I came up to the Hill today. It was more than a little bit surreal, you know, going through as many military checkpoints to get to my office. You know, that's not the way things are supposed to happen in America. Senator, there is a growing drumbeat from people on the Hill that some of these marauders were enabled by people on the Hill. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are about that. I've got a lot of questions. I've got a lot of questions about the fact that it seemed like these insurrectionists were treated with kid gloves. I think we all know if this has been a Black Lives Matter protest. Uh, I'm sure law enforcement would have reacted differently. Uh, I, I, you know, hour after hour as we were, you know, in a conference room in Hart, and we saw the images and why were these people allowed to rampage for hours on end? Why did it take so long to get the kind of needed reinforcements? I'd been briefed by the number two folks at the FBI the night before saying they were totally prepared for everything. They were not prepared for even the most minimal break-in. The fact that there was didn't seem to be any protocols on where senators were going to be moved in terms of safety um, is, is pretty astounding. Uh, now, I'm going to reserve judgment until we get all the facts. But, again, the images spoke pretty loudly when you saw individual, when you saw Capitol Police, uh, in some cases, on uh, taking selfies and other things. Now, some of those people, I think, have been suspended or fired. But um, if there was participation uh, by law enforcement in any way aiding or abetting, uh, that should be a firing offense. The other question I have is, why did it take so darn long to get reinforcements here? Thank God most of these insurrectionists were not armed, but if they had been, the fact that uh, it was over four hours before the Capitol was cleared, just inexcusable. Now, what about some, some reports we're hearing about members of Congress perhaps enabling and giving uh, reconnaissance tours to some of these people the day before and, and helping them, pointing out places to them to go that they eventually went. Um, that, that kind of assistance, that's, that seems wrong. I've not heard those kind of reports, but if there was that kind of aiding and betting, uh, then I think that there ought to be grounds for censure or removal. Um, but again, look, I'd like to get the facts. I think we got to get the facts at this point. This is like an 
an open raw wound um, that I think members are feeling, but also the American the American people's feeling. If there are people that are so anti democracy, anti rule of law, that they were members of Congress that were aiding and abetting, uh, that would be a new low. But I um, but let's wait and see what the facts show. Members and staff, some of whom I've spoken to, have said that they're afraid for their safety to travel, trains and planes. Are you getting that? Do you feel that? No, I, I, I don't feel that personally. Um, you know, as a, as a governor, you know, I went through the period of the sniper. I went through a series of you know, horrific events from hurricanes to um, a, a number of shootings. But I can understand why some of my colleagues would feel that way. I've got a colleague who's, she and her husband were in their hideaway and they spent hours hearing people in the hallway um, looking for her. And, you know, husband trying to hold the door shut with, you know, one pretty feeble lock. Um, I'm sure there are members of Congress that got PTSD after this. Um, I have, you know, and again, as somebody who lives closest to the Capitol, probably every member of Congress, I have the benefit of not having to travel on, on you know, transportation, but like airplanes. I do know a number of members, both parties, that were outrageously harassed um, going home last week. And that's just wrong. The possibility, from an, from an intelligence point of view, you're the incoming chair of the um, Intelligence Committee, and congratulations on that. Um, the possibility of damage to and the compromise of sensitive equipment and possible espionage, what are your thoughts on that, considering what took place? Well, first, we need to assess whether classified information was stolen or taken by the insurrectionists. We also need to acknowledge that this neo-Nazi white supremacist right-wing mobs that were in many ways organized on social media pose a really grave national security threat. Um, if whether we look back to Charlottesville or that we look at some of the actions that have taken place in cities around our country over the last year from the far right, whether we look at the failed attempt to try to kidnap the, the Michigan governor. The American intelligence community needs to acknowledge uh, this ongoing threat of domestic terrorism fomented by right-wing white supremacists. Oftentimes, I believe, at least in in some level of concert with right-wing groups around the world, oftentimes um, at least egged on and amplified by parts of the Russian government. This is a hugely concerning national security issue that has to be one of the top priorities of the intelligence community going forward. And all I can do is both intelligence share and with the Biden administration to make this a priority, I'm going to do. Concerns about continuing threats of violence on the Hill in Washington in the aftermath, even after the inaugural is done. 
Um, I think we're going to have to be cautious. But it breaks my heart to see this level of armed troops and these fences around our democracy. I mean, I've been in a lot of countries where their parliaments are armed camps where normal citizens can't access government buildings. That was not the case in America. We are still a special kind of democracy. We are. These are the people's houses. Um, but there's going to have to be a transition period to both for, for members and their staff to feel that level of comfort and for, for I think, Americans of good faith to be willing to say this kind of behavior is just unacceptable. That was a very busy Senator Mark Warner, the incoming chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee, and I'm sure they're going to deal with some of this when they start their business in the new Congress. Now we're going to turn our attention to the investigation and uh, protecting the Congress and the inaugural and and all of that. And we're going to talk with um, A.T. Smith, who's a former deputy director of the Secret Service. Mr. Smith, uh, thank you very much for taking time to to join us and to talk with us about uh, this very important topic today. You know, a lot's happened since the 6th of January, and uh, we're we're looking at uh, an inauguration in a few days. So I know you are aware of what took place last week, and I know you're aware of how inauguration security works. So I'm wondering if you could just give us some sense of how um, the level of security that's going up in Washington right now, considering what took place last week and what you think, how you think this compares to what we've seen in the past. Okay. Um, well, first of all, you know, the events last week, uh, as tragic as they were, uh, are quite different than what you're going to see with the inauguration. The inauguration is considered a national special security event. And I believe this one represents the 67th time that uh, that there has been an NSSE. So with an NSSE, there is quite a bit of planning that goes in and it actually starts uh, usually around nine months before the event. Obviously, inaugurals, uh, political conventions, even the Super Bowl uh, now are designated as NSSEs. And so the planning goes into effect very early, sometimes as much as nine months. Uh, there are partnerships that are exist, uh, that are existing, I should say, that are brought to the table. And I think on this particular uh, NSSE for the inaugural, there's something like uh, 28 committees and subcommittees. You obviously have a steering committee. Uh, in an NSSE, the Secret Service is the uh, lead agency as far as security planning is concerned, but there's also uh, coordination with the FBI that would be in charge of crisis management should something occur. And then FEMA is also involved as sort of a trifecta, if you will, and, and FEMA's responsibility is consequence management to, to come in after the fact and, and provide assets and do whatever might need to might need to be done as a result uh, of an incident. Mm-hmm. Aside from that, there are many other agencies across, um, in this case, D.C. or anywhere there is an NSSE. You have certainly the Secret Service, the FBI, FEMA. Uh, but in this case, you have the uh, the JSIC, the PIC, uh, Metropolitan Police, uh, even certainly DOD because of the, the D.C. area, Amtrak, 
uh, and just a, a plethora really of law enforcement that come together uh, and actually perform this NSSE and provide the security and the protection that's needed in order for it to be successful. So just real quick, um, how does this, uh, what we're going to see and what we're seeing now compared to last inauguration or the one eight years ago or 12 or 16 years ago? Well, I think you've seen an increase, obviously, in, in some of the, the visual barriers, if nothing else, that you've, you've seen the last few days go up around the Capitol. I know there's other uh, things that are going up in certain places around D.C. And so, you know, as we move on uh, through time and as uh, each new event pre presents itself, we've had to deal with some of the things like we've seen in the last couple of weeks. So, you know, post in a post 9-11 world, usually with each successive inaugural, there'll be new challenges, things that have happened in the previous four years from a security standpoint uh, that need to be addressed and ensured that, uh, that you know, they're protected against. So I understand the vice president's residence, which is the Naval Observatory, has essentially been ringed with barriers and uh, security uh, fencing. Um, is, is, is that normal in the, in the run-up to the inaugural? Well, I think in the past, just the existing fence that is there and the uh, enhanced manpower has been what was used in this particular incident. Uh, again, uh, we're in a, a newer world in, in terms of, you know, domestic violent extremists, homegrown terrorists and that sort of thing. And then in view of what happened on the 6th, I don't think this is out of the ordinary. I think it's uh, different than it has been before, but it's probably needed because, as you know, on the 6th, those folks at the Capitol were, uh, you know, shouting, hang Mike Pence. So I think a lot of it has to do with just the general temperature uh, for planning, but at the same time, uh, you know, making sure that they address those events that occurred last week as well. And certainly that that threat was there. Tell me about your thoughts when you were when you saw what was going on. I'm not I'm, I'm, a lot of people were watching this real time. It played out for so long and it was just major global news. What were your thoughts when you watched what you saw? I was really speechless for a while. I mean, it just, you, as, as you just said, you stand there sort of in awe and you just watch and you really can't believe that this is happening at our Capitol and that it's being carried out, you know, by Americans, by our fellow citizens. And it goes back to what, uh, what I said a moment ago. I know the FBI has issued some bulletins about the problems in, in terms of domestic uh, violent extremists, homegrown terrorists, militia groups, you know, there's even some talk, and, and we may see that come out of this event on the 6th, that uh, some of these groups may have people that have in, infiltrated uh, law enforcement, you know, at the local level, maybe beyond. But it's cer certainly something that, as I said a minute ago, with each successive event that you have to protect, uh, you see things that you haven't seen before. So in terms of watching that the other day, I think, uh, like most Americans, I was I was astonished. So. Considering that, and you know, uh, I suppose um, you know, I'm still kind of at a loss for words when I try to describe the mood of the country right now. Um, you know, the Capitol was mobbed. You know, the it was tragic. Five people died. An unprecedented breach of security happened there. You know, and so people are now trying to figure out how that happened. 
Was it intelligence or was it security or was it both? Or what do you think led to the ability for these people to do that? I think it was both. I mean, I think obviously uh, the intelligence on some levels was there uh, through some of the social media sites and things that that were on social media about gathering on the 6th and the kinds of uh, things that might occur as a result uh, you know, either of a rally or, or just the groups being there together and, and certainly talks about uh, marching on the Capitol and those sorts of things. So in terms of security, they were obviously not prepared uh, and they were overwhelmed when the, when the mob got there. Uh, so on the, on the standpoint of, of the answer to your question, I think it's both. It was both a lapse of intelligence uh, and security. The intelligence, I think, on some level was there and should have been paid better attention to. So what are we not talking about? What are we in the media not focusing on that we should be focusing on when we look at everything that happened on the 6th, you know, the things that were going on before the 6th? One of the things that a lot of people are really stirred up about right now is the fact that there were military, there were law enforcement, there were first responders, there are all sorts of people that are being looked at right now or in some cases arrested um, but that's just only one piece of the puzzle. There's one congresswoman who said she had a panic button in her office or there were several in her office that were ripped out the day before. There were concerns about possibly people being inside the Congress as members or staff or whatever capacity that were helping the people that were there. We're focused on all those things. So what, what are we not focusing on that we probably should? Well, I think it's important that you do focus on those things because that sort of activity and the things that we've heard is really unacceptable. And I know there's been uh, quite a bit of coverage about people that were either sympathetic to some of these uh, folks that broke into the Capitol or are actually participants. So that will all be investigated. I'm confident the FBI will do a good job and this will all have to come out in the wash. Anyone that, uh, you know, was, uh, not performing their duty or were an active part of this or a sympathizer, that will have to be dealt with. In terms of the next event, which is the inauguration, it goes back to what I said a moment ago. This is a national special security event. The The event on the 6th was not, I think it probably should have been. And I think that's something that the planners need to look at in the future. Whenever you have not only a joint session of Congress, but you had all of our national leaders there, uh, short of the president, in one location. And that's why the intelligence should have been paid attention to. That's why there should have been a more hefty security effort and planning. And an NSSE actually brings those things to bear. Because again, when you think about it, you had not only the the vice president of the United States, the speaker, the, the leader of the Senate, but all of the minority leadership of both houses. So I think whenever you have a joint session of Congress at any level, and you have a situation like we had last week, an NSSE needs to be considered. And that would bring all to all the forces to bear that we're talking about, all of the other agencies that uh, are partners in this endeavor. I know there's some speculation about whether or not uh, additional assets had been asked for. I know the chief, uh, the former chief of the Capitals come out and asked about that or said that he asked for them. So all of that will have to be, be looked at and whether or not his superiors, uh, you know, did the right thing. But at, uh, at the end of the day, I go back to what we talked about with the NSSE. There is a lot of 
uh, partners, a lot of people that work hand in hand every day that will come together and make this not only a safe event, event but also uh, the security perimeter will be more expansive. There'll be a lot of things that uh, you will see come Inauguration Day that you obviously did not see on the 6th. Hey, T, this has been fabulous. I um, tried to keep my questions uh, to a minimum because I don't, I don't want to wear out my welcome on the first day, first time. No. <laughs> but um, I do appreciate your ability to succinctly put things into context and be candid about what you think with us. And, um, you know, look forward to another opportunity to talk to you in the near future. I'll be happy to. And if I could just say one more thing, I uh, was lucky enough, I guess, or or unlucky enough. I was actually the agent in charge of our Secret Service office in New York City after 9-11. And um, one of the very first national special security events was the uh, Republican National Convention in New York City in 2004, which was very problematic in the shadow of 9-11 and also in terms of trying to have a uh, security event of that size occur in Midtown Manhattan. We brought all of those partners together that I described earlier from all of the subcommittees, whether it was NYPD, the New York State Police, the New York City Fire Department, you name it. And that started nine months out and we had uh, weekly meetings, if not more on the part of the subcommittees. And that allowed people to bring, to be brought together and know who's on which base, what the responsibilities are. I think a positive that you have in Washington with especially the inauguration, the New York City NSSE was, you know, a one-time event. Obviously you have the United Nations General Assembly and that is is carried out in much the same fashion. But these partners that will be together next week to uh, provide the security for the inauguration are partners that work hand in hand in DC day in and day out. They know each other. Uh, they know the responsibility that each has, and I think that's why, like I said, you'll you'll see a successful event next week. Well, A.T. Smith, um, this has been a great pleasure. We thank you. Thank you for your work and your years at the Secret Service, and uh, wish you the best, whatever you're doing now, and uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to engage again in the near future. Happy to do it, J.J. Thank you so much. That's A.T. Smith, former Deputy Director of the Secret Service. This story about what happened at the Capitol on January 6th will be with us for many months and perhaps years to come. The fallout may not play out for months or years. There are local, state, national, and international ramifications. So we're going to stay on this story. And in our next episode, we're going to talk about some of the international intelligence ramifications. In the meantime, if you have questions or comments about the program, send me an email at jgreen at wtop.com. That's the letter J, the color green. One word at whiskeytangooscarpapa.com. jgreen at wtop.com. Also, please subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Twitter. We're at TUSA Podcast. That's at Tango Uniform Sierra Alpha Podcast. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time. I'm J.J. Green, and this is Target USA. The National Security Podcast. Now, stay tuned for the latest headlines from the Associated Press.